Welcome to Reawaken Podcast. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm John Brown. On this program, we like to discuss everyday topics to hot-button issues, as well as some fringe ideas, while maintaining a solid scriptural foundation and a sense of humor. And we really hope that you enjoy today's episode. Everybody, uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Reawaken podcast. Today, I thought we uh, should talk about the uh, idea of Christians arguing, debating, disagreeing, and uh, what are the implications of that, um, and further discuss, you know, when and and how should it be done. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it doesn't take too much to look around. I mean unless you've been living under a rock somewhere, it's pretty evident, it's pretty noticeable that it everybody is arguing all the time. Is that biblical? I mean, yeah, it, it is for short answer. But anyway, go, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So with our culture the way that it is, it seems like there's more and more division, more and more argument especially online, things can get heated seemingly uh, more so than in person. But it is important for, I think, for Christians to think about and to talk about because it does happen so often and it does unfortunately happen in a the context of a Christian community. Although not to say unfortunately in that there's never a reason to disagree or, or debate something, but Unfortunately, it can be taken out of hand uh, pretty quickly in some situations. So I guess that's the first question. Is it ever okay? Which I, I think I already answered. But uh, what what are situations when it would not be okay? So basically, going back to what we have discussed in the past, you have this divide between primary and secondary doctrines so you have or or a better way to explain it one that people may be more familiar with is essential and non-essential doctrines you may have heard the saying unity in the essentials or uh, i'm already messing up but in the essentials unity and the non-essentials liberty and all things charity that kind of that's kind of i think that should be our mindset behind Anything, anytime that we're going into any argumentation, some things are fun to talk about, but they are just not worth, they're not worth arguing, squabbling over, uh, or to go further with that, they're not worth splitting over, which you see that happen a lot. You see a lot of churches split up just because somebody did something stupid and opened their mouth when there was no need to. Yeah, our uh, person that leads the Bible studies after our uh, main service has that quote up on the board because so easily we can, you know, someone will raise their hand and bring up a point. And, you know, disagreement is inevitable. We all have our own perspectives, our own ideas on certain things. Of course, mostly we agree on the essentials, but everyone kind of has their own perspective, right? And so, we all think that we are right. So 
it's it's very common for someone to you know object to something that's being said and then the question is how far do you take that discussion and when does that discussion turn into an argument and then is that a bad thing is arguing a bad thing necessarily i think you pointed out you know, perfectly that there are essential doctrines and non-essential doctrines and I think, you know, questions that we can ask are, does it relate to salvation? Is this something that if you didn't believe it, you know, would you have a genuine salvation? Uh, and that can be a difficult question because, you know, for example, baptism. People have differing views on baptism. The Bible seems to indicate that it's very important. Of course, there's differing views on how it should be done. You know, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized would be one argument, you know, in opposition to that. But that's one point where it it can be essential. But how far do you take that? Right. And I think also something else to point out is this is kind of a made up category and that not everybody accepts this. But you also have more dangerous secondary doctrines. I think those should be treated differently than either group, honestly, because these dangerous secondary doctrines can lead to an essential heresy, which is bad. Those are ones that can affect salvation. However, they do not necessarily go there immediately. So it's kind of this gray area between something that is you know you have your thoughts on it i have my thoughts on it calvinism armenianism and then over here you have pelagianism so if somebody is i mean i don't want to necessarily say it, i mean you think semi semi-pelagianism would kind of uh roll in i'll explain what pelagianism here is in a second but you would think semi-pelagianism would kind of roll off into plagianism and it can so that might be a good example here but i have met some semi-plagians who are perfectly all right and for those who do not know what plagianism is it is it was rejected as an, a heresy in the early church sometime around i think it was don't quote me on this but near 580 somewhere around there but anyways it basically is the belief that Man has within himself everything necessary for salvation. So somebody can attain salvation without coming to God, basically. Both Armenians, uh, Calvinists, and Semi-Pelagians all agree to varying extents that that is not a thing. Uh, but Pelagians would, that, I mean, that's the reason why they were basically excommunicated from the church as a heresy. So anyways. Right. Yeah, so you have those dangerous doctrines that need to be nipped in the bud, and there is a certain way to go about that, which we can discuss, but, you know, there's there's heresies, and then there's also the thing of just pet doctrines. You know, certain people, it seems like, tend to only talk about one thing or somehow the conversation always tends toward a certain discussion and something 
you know, that it can derail the conversation. And so that's another thing where a, a, a debate could break out, but should be debated in a sense. Uh, if someone has a, a particular, you know, fascination or obsession with a certain idea, um, you know, something to think about when, when is it appropriate to address that situation in their life? And uh, when do you consider it being taken too far, you know, as far as how often it's brought up? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I'd say basically from where I'm saying at, how I would approach it is questioning happens. It just does. If you see someone questioning an essential doctrine, like for example, there are those who doubt the monothe uh, basically monotheism, which is the belief that there is one single God. There are people who are call themselves Christians who reject this and say, um, usually it is either one of two things: either it's polytheism, in that they are taking. For example, the Mormons. The Mormons do this. They believe that there are many big G gods and that right. our God is just an exalted man. He is, he well, he was us at one point, but he has been exalted and now he is a God. So that is a polytheistic religion. That's a false gospel. Whereas some people also reject they say there's tritheism is what it's called the belief that there are three gods uh, you can probably see where this is going it's just a rejection of the trinity and basically what it ends up in is that god the father is his own god god the son is his own god and the holy spirit is his own god and there are three gods that is also a rejection of the monotheistic religion that is presented right. to us in the Old Testament. In fact, if you only take one thing away from the Old Testament, you take away there is only one God and you should not have no other gods before him. Yeah. And I guess on the opposite spectrum of, you know, there being three gods, uh, there's the idea that the that Yeshua, the Messiah, was not divine, you know, he's just a man. Right. Um, yeah. And that would be a, another dangerous heresy. Yeah, that was also rejected in, I believe, 250 A.D., somewhere around there, maybe closer to 300 A.D. But basically, it's the belief that, um, well, actually, that's just one form of denying the training, and that is the belief that that Yeshua, Jesus, is a created being. He was created by God, which is a somewhat understandable heresy but its implications are astronomical so i but i do think what is important to take away from this is that basically stuff like that stuff like the rejection of the monotheistic religion should be as soon as you see somebody starting to doubt that you should go to them just just you you should go to them talk to them, see where they are in this, because maybe they're just, we, I mean, we're told to test everything. We do need to test everything. And there is a safe way to do that, though. So if you go to this person and they're just saying, yeah, I'm just looking at why we believe this and so on and so forth, 
I do feel you should be less worried about that than if you went to them and they said, yes, it is time that you knew the truth. There are multiple gods, at which point you should probably take more drastic measures. And I, I do think there is a place to argue at that point. Well, one could say argue. I don't think, I do think we need to be careful about accepting in peace anything that is heresy, blatantly heresy, anti-God. Uh, I, I don't think we should just accept that. However, there is a way to present it. The way to present it is not to suddenly decide you need to ram it down their throat at the highest volume in the room. <laughs> it's just a generally bad idea, and it's frowned upon by anybody who is actually trying to explore anything in any way. Right, because then you just become defensive at that point, and no one's listening to anyone, and nothing's accomplished. You know. Um, so, as far as when it is appropriate to address something, to disagree, to open debate or argument, um, I think Matthew eighteen kind of points us in the direction of how that should be done, um, and this is more in the context of someone sinning against you, but I think spreading heresy is a form of sin as well. So it applies. Um, but of course yeah. it says, you know, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him. So it's at first it's between you and the other person, you know, it, unless it's being spoken from the pulpit or something like that in a very public manner, right. you just address it with that person. And then if they don't listen to you, you take two others with you if you can and you talk about it. And then if that doesn't work, then you basically take it to the elders and before the church and they're publicly rebuked, you know. Um, yeah, public transgression can require. In fact, I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it's in Ephesians, says something to that effect that public transgression would require a basically a public apology right. I, yeah but anyways um yeah i do think that it is important to do it in a way that's basically you're not getting ahead of yourself you shouldn't go straight zero to 60 on this if somebody is just all they're doing is questioning in some way or they have taken up some sort of heretical doctrine i mean see if you can work it out first there is no reason to just absolutely air out everything in front of everyone unless i would put a qualifier on this if they get up in the middle of church if the pastor says hey let's take prayer requests i i mean i know not every church does that uh ours does but Anyways, uh, hey, let's take prayer requests, and they get up and they just want to be, oh, yeah, I, I just want to thank the Lord for, you know, showing me that there are so many gods other than himself, and at which point you probably do need to take a more public approach because at this point it's become a public transgression. All of these right. people have been subjected to it, and who knows how long they've gone on for. They may have just indoctrinated the entire church. Right. It's probably best to just deal with it then and there. I I mean I would 
I most pastors would just deal with it on the spot for good reason. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, everyone understands if if that's being done, you know, it's within the right of the the pastor or leader to address that on the spot. Yeah. And I think people would expect that, them to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of part of the uh, shepherding of the flock you have to you have to spot the wolves and you have to get rid of them yep if you have a wolf in sheep's clothing in your congregation you do have to it has to be dealt with and if it has to lead to a split if it's essential it has to lead to a split however going back to i think i said this already earlier we cannot split over non-essential doctrine unless it is getting up between like you and the congregation for example some pastors i'm going to go ahead and call out the flat earthers on this one some (laughs) flat earth pastors will get up there every time and just preach their flat earth beliefs from the pulpit every single time that's clearly going to drive a wedge i'm pretty sure too if they've accepted flat earth that there is a strong possibility that at that point you already have enough issue with them in other doctrines to go ahead and leave that church. However, um, I guess another good example is the KJV-onlyists, basically, and hey, not all KJV-onlyists are bad. In fact, like, I, I mean... Uh, John's father-in-law is, he's not KJV only, but he's KJV preferred. I respect that. I respect that massively. I mean, anybody who's KJV preferred, I feel, in fact, I have more respect for him than anybody who uses an ESV or an ASB because they are braving the waters of possibly getting thrown into the same category as KJV (laughs) only, which is no fun at all. But some KJV only as pastors, that's what they preach on every single time. Right. Is the KJV is the only Bible. Which is a pet doctrine. Yeah, exactly. So that's getting between you and your fellowship with the other believers, at which point it's best to gracefully leave, I would say. I don't know. What what would you say about a situation such as that? Yeah, it's it's kind of on a case by case basis. I mean, if you can if you can put up with it and it's not that offensive to you, then you know, it's kind of up to you. But if it's if it's a situation yeah. where you know it, it's something that you disagree with and they're just constantly bringing it up, then yeah, you might you might be better to just find another congregation. You know, we we live in an age where there's one on every corner. You know, so while it's not good to just church hop, mm-hmm. it is you know, you have to have fellowship that you can enjoy. And that's part yeah. of being at the church is, is, you know, being with like-minded people that you can enjoy being around. Yeah. And, and I would say, I would say, you know, as far as locations where argument is acceptable, I would say not at church, you know, we go to church yeah. to get away yeah. from the world to love on each other, to listen to, you know, teaching, sound doctrine. Build up and, the church by. Yep, edify one another. And uh, mm-hmm. not the place to create division and discord. 
exactly. And I mean, it, there is some instances, though, where edification will take the form of, which, I mean, we've already gone, gone over this, so I won't go too deep into this, but if they've gone up in the middle of church and spouted through their doctrine, then right. clearly that is the time to deal with it. However, as a general rule, 99% of the time, it, we're there to, like John said, build each other up, build up the body, edify the body. It's it's a place to discuss. Sometimes it's easy for a discussion to get deep into a debate of sorts. However, I, I would say that you do have to watch yourself there, but there is a certain level. If it is a friendly debate, if, right. if it is all in good spirits, if you're not bothering the people around you, if you're not being loud and boisterous, then I would say that is a form of edification. However, yeah, you, you do have to watch yourself because it is easy to slowly get into a louder debate, which then starts affecting the people around you. And then at that point, you've gone headfirst into disrupting everybody's church experience. Right. And it is a fine line. It's a, you know, it's, it's a balance. You know, we, we do obviously have differing opinions once in a while, and it's perfectly fine to discuss those in a church setting. I didn't mean to say that, you know, you should never disagree with anyone while you're at church, but, but, um, you know, there is an impact to, uh, constant argument in a church setting and it does it can create division it can create church splits um and and we're supposed to be portraying this image to the world of harmony brotherly love being one body and uh to to constantly be you know disagreeing or or arguing is completely separate and different than you know a friendly discussion or debate, you know, and it can have an effect on children. You know, people, I think that's one reason kids leave the church is that they see adults just bickering constantly. And, you know, in, in some situations there, of course, there's many reasons that that can happen, but, but, um, that is one big one in, um, a lot of congregations, especially where people, tend to feel very strongly about secondary doctrines like we were discussing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, that is a very good point that that may be part of why people are leaving the church. I know of one guy who that is a very valid, a very valid possibility for why he has left the church because he's grown up seeing his dad bicker constantly and consistently with yeah. other believers, just yeah. tearing them down constantly. Yeah, I've seen it as well. And it is unfortunate, and uh, it's just, it's sad to see, but it, you can see it happening as it's happening, and you're like, you want to step in. And maybe this is a point where it is a good time to step in and and bring something mm -hmm. up to that person that's that's always arguing argue about arguing i guess um but yeah but uh yeah because when when it's the only thing that they see 
it's like, why are we here? You know, I don't feel love. I don't yeah. feel joy. I don't feel the presence of God. All I hear is is adults, you know, yelling. And that's, no one wants that. That's degrading to the psyche and the spirit. Um, but yeah, dangerous. So, so what do you think our response should be to those people, though, who are constantly arguing i mean it's hard to do and something that we should point out before going into this discussion is i cannot this is something where it is possible for a believer to it's possible for to be easy for them to judge another for not doing this but just always know you do not have the entire story it can be the political climate of a congregation and sometimes a family can lead to issues which make it loaded for them to actually step in to right. try to help mediate this so it should be pointed out this is definitely something you have to be careful about not judging somebody else for not doing this perfectly but right. encourage them encourage them to do it to the best of their ability so but what would you think how do you think we should respond to that it's kind of everyone's responsibility i would say it's a heavier responsibility on the pastors and leaders to step in and, and kind of silence not silence but to you know calm the situation but it is everyone's responsibility to say hey you know this is getting a little too heated this isn't really appropriate or you know a setting like this um you know let's just lower our voices and we can continue the discussion in a calm manner you know or or hey this isn't really a good topic this isn't something that we should be talking about or hey we've already talked about this you know it, it it's kind of it's on everyone times. and it's it's hard it is hard because one it's confrontational and there's already a confrontation there but not everyone enjoys confrontation, but it is kind of everyone's responsibility to protect the those who are weaker in the faith or just um, susceptible to, I don't know, you know, some of the dangers that confrontation can bring up. Right, and I do think it's also important that to point out here that if you see your pastor, you cannot always just stand by and be like, man, the pastor should really do something about this. If you see your pastor and he is in need of help, especially for these churches out there which do not have what I'm sure the pastor would love, which is some good elders in their church and whatnot, if you see that, at least try to help him out to the best of your ability because... <laughs> If he doesn't have that structure, then, man, he's having to go through enough, honestly. I mean, I grew up with my dad being in ministerial stuff, whether a pastor or some other form of ministering. It really does. When that is not there, you really, truly, you can kind of know, but unless you've kind of lived it out, there's a lot of weight on that pastor if there's not a good elder structure. But anyways, right. um, yeah, so 
another thing to point out here would be that confrontation, it's uncomfortable. But I guess something else we should think about here is how exactly should we cope with confrontation? For me, I kind of see it on two sides. There should never really be a need for confrontation. In a perfect world, we would all believe perfect things. There would be no need for confrontation. However, on the flip side of that, I do think we should take a form of, I mean, I don't, don't hold me completely to all of the weight of this statement, maybe, but a pride in confrontation, we shouldn't take it to the ability, to the ability, to the extent of that we are the end-all be-all, we make all of the choices, all of the right judgments and all of that, but a if you are able to navigate confrontation in a peaceful and grace-mercy-filled way, you should be happy about that because that's not you that has enabled you to do that. That is God working through you. If there is love, if there is mercy, if there is grace, all within your confrontation, then Amen. we should enjoy being used by God in that way. If it's full of judgment only, then I think we're way out of bounds on that. Our yeah. our God is a God who does have judgment, but he has given us, none of us should be here. None, none of us should be here. We are all undeserving. We are, not a single one of us is worthy of salvation. But, but Christ came, he was sent by us for was referred to as the great exchange. Our sins were imputed upon him as a whole. That's crushing. The, the weight of a single sin in a man's life is enough for eternal damnation. Yet he took all of, all of us, he took our sins upon him, and in exchange he gave us his righteousness. He imputed his righteousness upon us if we should accept the gift that he has so graciously offered us. Amen. Yeah, and just seeing that that you've been given that mercy and that grace, we need to extend that to one another. And uh, like you're saying, and that that is one thing to consider when deciding whether or not to bring something up that you know is going to be either confrontational or that there's going to be some kind of disagreement. Um, what is the attitude of the person that you're bringing it up to? And what is your attitude? You know, yeah. it's easy to spot pride in others, but do you have pride within yourself to where you, quote, know that you're right and you're coming in with your fists clenched and up, ready to box, you know, the, you know, the, rhetorically or whatever. But yeah, recognize whether you can do it in a humble way, whether you can have grace and mercy in that discussion. And if the other person obviously doesn't have those qualities and is not willing to exercise them, it might not be a good situation to discuss that 
in, you know, or at least find a better situation in which to discuss that in private or, you know, with someone else that can be there as a moderator or something like that. Uh, but those are things to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you can't approach it with those qualities, it is better to just not approach it at all. Honestly, leave it to somebody else, bring it to the attention of your pastor or somebody you know who can deal with it well. But if you cannot approach it in that way, yeah, it's better to just leave it leave it be for sure. Yeah. But. So um, I guess in the day and age that we live in, um, how about the internet? social media is it is it ever okay to point out someone's fallacy and like attack them you know in a sense online is that ever a good thing to do that's a very good question i mean it like it or not social media is here and it is here to stay so i feel like this is a definitely quite possibly one of the most important questions that we will ask ourselves for who knows until the next big <laughs> yeah uh, boom in yeah. technology happens because in a sense we we kind of already answered that in that well social media if anything is public but there's a danger to that because it's not just public, it's hyper public. You know, everyone and their mother can see what is going on in this thread, you know, online. Um, of course, privacy settings can change or whatever, but generally yeah. speaking, a lot more people can see this discussion, um, which can make it more dangerous you know, in every respect, other people can chime in that aren't even part of the discussion and fuel the fire on one side or the other. You know, trolls can get in there. Um, and and it's it's more visible. So that aspect of showing kindness, brotherly love, mercy to one another, that can that can be uh, something that is is more more of an issue um, because it is so public yeah for sure um, I would also say if you see somebody posting something like basically gauge it don't just assume well it's public so let's do this thing so <laughs> if it's if it is not outright overtly presenting a false gospel or some sort of essential heresy then you may want to, if you see them leaning that way, slide into the DMs or give them a call, something like that. Do not, mm -hmm. I, I would say just don't like immediately skip to just bickering about it. I mean, there is a difference if you're just talking about it, if you're just discussing some sort of theological difference or something online, that's good. Realize you're going to be hold to your words there's no gain now of what you've said. Everybody right. who knows how many people have seen it. So there should be a weight. You are presenting, you are representing God and you are presenting your beliefs on there in a way 
it is a little bit more permanent. I mean, you can delete stuff, but who knows what damage has been done by the time you delete it. Right. Yeah, we're supposed to speak as oracles. And, and the thing about things that are online is that it's impersonal. And so people are more willing to say things that they wouldn't otherwise say face to face. And that can be dangerous. You know, Paul says, you know, he was called, you know, bold in his writings and, and, uh, you know, like they, like when they, when he showed up in person, he wasn't as, as fiery or zealous as they thought he should be or something like that. And so it's natural when you're writing, you don't have the emotion, the nonverbal communication to know what someone else is responding with. So you go all in and not having that nonverbal communication, which 90 plus percent of communication is nonverbal, um, there can easily be a communication breakdown. You know, if you if you if you say something, they can read it as sarcastic when you didn't mean it that way and, and any number of other types of things like that. You know, so Right. You can get yeah. out of hand. Definitely. And I I'd just like to share this real quick. I you may have seen it, I don't know, but I thought this was a great way to put it. I'm going to go ahead and repost this on our socials, at least Facebook for this podcast. So you can find it there if you want to share it or whatever. Anyways, so this dude wrote it out, uh credit where it's due. Andrew Sandlin was the one who posted this, at least that I can see. I saw Jeff Durbin had reposted it anyways. So it reads memo to young male theological warriors or any theological warriors for that matter, in my opinion, but anyways, visibly active on social media. When disagreeing with your Orthodox elders, don't assume they're stupid, arrogant, or deceived. Assume this spirit quote. I'm grateful for your view. But if I'm understanding you correctly, I don't agree. May we discuss this? Mm. Play the respect card. Don't play the fool. Yep. I thought that was amazing. But that is amazing. Yeah, because it's something you have to pay attention to in yourself. Like, how am I presenting my idea? What attitude am I going into this with? And it's very important to keep that in the forefront of your mind when you're typing something out, you know, and you read it, read it again, read it twice, probably delete half of it and then send it, you know, because that's the way things go when it's online, fortunately. Yeah. A good, a good general rule I would say is if you cannot walk away after reading it, if you cannot walk away for an hour and come back and write the exact same thing, then mm-hmm. you should you should probably walk away for an hour and come back and write something else, honestly. Exactly. But, yep. But yeah, moving on to our news segment as we have... Actually, we, we're clocking at a pretty good time here on this episode, but uh, I feel like this has been a great discussion of the subject. Honestly, I'd like to see it revisited at some point. For sure. But... Anyways, moving on to our news section, we see the mobile app, which this will totally date this for anybody who wants to go and look up to see when we recorded this. 
So we're actually gonna, yeah. Anyways, but the mobile app Quibi was launched today. It has already seen 300,000 downloads. So basically, this has only been, I mean, it's only been out for like 12 hours or something. I don't know. So that is a ton of downloads. I, I don't know. I'm sure I've seen some apps that have done that. I've, yeah. But anyways, this, I feel like I'm not going to knock it. So it's a very well, for those who do not know, it's a very well funded and produced app that basically produces these TV shows that, well, they're not TV shows. They're specifically made for the app and they are like 15 minute episodes mm -hmm. tops. So basically I'm not knocking that. If, the, if there's some good stuff, I mean like Liam Hemsworth, for anybody who is a Marvel fan, they that would be Chris Hemsworth's brother. He is involved with one of the series that's being launched on this initially. So yeah, top top talent on this app. I'm not knocking that. If there was something going on there, and I'm just tossing this out there because I have no idea what they stand for, what agendas they're pushing. I have no idea if every episode is full of gratuitous nudity and violence who knows but as a general in general i would say if there's something gone there i might check it out however what does this say for our society it our attention spans are just becoming shorter and shorter i think this is leading to all sorts of issues honestly yeah i think well it is true because yeah i mean i was actually trying to put some content together with someone else to put online it was like how long should this be and it was like honestly probably about five minutes maybe six or seven like anything longer than that people are going to tune out you know that's what i feel like but right i mean not right. not a podcast this is like a yeah. visual thing or whatever but yeah i was about to say podcasts, <laughs> we, we chose the time that we that we went for or at least i did i don't i don't remember how much input you gave on this but this is the timing we're going for is the most popular running time for podcasts it's the time that most listeners prefer but I anyway, think this yeah. makes sense for a discussion yeah absolutely. yeah exactly but for videos and stuff you're absolutely right i mean if you want to catch someone in it if you look at like the gospel project their videos are probably for sure less than 10 minutes but i'd say usually less than five minutes mm -hmm. and i mean they've become very popular off of that yeah and i remember they've they've done 15 minute shows on tv on like adult swim you know like their cartoons and stuff like 15 minute segments and that you know that's the age that's adult now you know the people that grew up with that yeah that kind of and of course the internet youtube has has been you know focusing on condensed shorter videos and of course ads split up your attention and all that so there's a lot that goes into that but it is yeah, interesting that is a good point because like even phineas and ferb which don't even get me started on that because it's like the best cartoon in the history of all cartoons but <laughs> 
which by the way, I didn't really grow up on that. I've just got hooked on that as I've been older because my much younger nephew was a fan of it. Anyways, you don't need that. But anyways, Phineas and Ferb is awesome, but they split their episodes up, like you were saying, into 15-minute segments. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. This is getting fed into them as children and even us as children growing up. Uh, shorter episodes. And like you said, the ad time has only gotten more and more. So whereas a show running on the air would have used to have been like an 50 minutes out, 50 minutes out of an hour, not 15, 50 minutes out of an hour. It's now like saying at 39 minutes or something like that. It's cut dramatically into our time slots. But, and commercials even are, I mean, I don't see a ton of commercials, but I didn't see like any commercials for like the, I I don't know how long, but it was like a gap of probably at least five years. But when I, started seeing commercials again, they had gone remarkably shorter. They've gone from commercials that I even grew up on could go as long as like 30 seconds. They yeah. were crazy. Right. But now they're like five seconds. <laughs> That's like absurd. I did a paper in college on a one second ad during the Super Bowl. Of course it was Super Bowl, so they're expensive ad times, but you know, it was yeah. literally one second. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's crazy too i i don't even know if i have a short enough attention span for that it was somebody saying high life and that was it just the name of it miller miller High Life. not that i'm promoting that yeah but what is that doing to our society as a whole i i think it can be linked back as far as divorce rates honestly just because we've gotten used to instant gratification yeah. and that is not a good thing honestly Right. And uh, just the whole thing of people multitasking and and attention being split up through the Internet. You know, you've got you you scroll down on a page and you have ads on every side and within the article that you're trying to read. And they're trying to get you to share it. And like (laughs) it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm just trying to read something. Yep. But, it's um, terrible. (laughs) That does have an effect on humanity as a whole. And kind of interesting and yeah, bad yeah. <laughs> at the same time but. yeah uh, but. so here's an article that uh, i thought was kind of interesting uh, yale students demand automatic pass due to covid19 on the what does that say about our gratification <laughs> yes <laughs> they're all i mean they're going to an ivy league school so you think that they would have a good education but in reality how many of these people are actually doing anything with those degrees honestly i'd I'd be curious to find out i'm sure i think most of our ivy league folks end up going into being professors or into higher profile jobs but um there's got to be a large cut of them that end up going into jobs like IT support and whatnot that right. have absolutely nothing to do with, not that IT support's a bad thing. I, In fact, you can make a very nice living at it, but it's nothing like prestigious positions that some of these people are probably hoping for or their parents are hoping for. Yeah, but, I believe 
that I have read that it's it's a large percentage of people in universities in general don't actually use their degree. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. If this is happening in schools like Yale, though, what does that say about our education system overall? I'd say it says that it's broken, honestly. Yeah. If our if was supposed to be our brightest stars are dim to borrow from propaganda, then I'm pretty sure we've got an issue. And it's part of this whole culture that people have been railing against for, you know, a decade or two. You know, as far as everyone gets a trophy, you know, everyone's a winner. You know, we're never going to allow anything difficult in your life. We're never going to tell you no. And it it's just led to exactly this type of mindset. I deserve a degree because something difficult happened during my time in university. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, which is also a very dangerous mindset overall, honestly, that, like you mentioned, everybody gets a prize. That sets people up for massive failure in life. I was reading something the other day that was talking about that all of these people are just so used to always winning and whatnot that when they get into real life, it's like, wait, everybody doesn't always win right i don't get a promotion just because i want one (laughs) exactly yeah i don't get a participation medal in the form of a large bonus when i do no work (laughs) right yeah it's just a terrible idea and it makes yeah it, it makes it makes sloppy i mean oh Basically, it makes those in the world, in the functional world, just, it makes the functional world very sloppy, and it makes the theological world very sloppy. Because we've gone to the point where I think that's part of what goes into this whole woke Christianity thing, this uh, socially enlightened I have the truth sort of movement. It's like everybody has been told, well, your opinion matters. It does not. It really, really, I don't (laughs) think I can express how much your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not saying that in a bad, mean way, but it doesn't matter because your opinion is subjective. This Bible sitting next to me, that is objective. I mean, I may have subjective opinions about this objective truth here, but I do know this objective truth exists, and I'm doing my best to hold myself to this objective truth even when it hurts. The gospel is offensive, folks. It just is. If you're not going to your Bible as a broken sinner, if you are not getting convicted, if you're not being offended, you're, You're not, not reading, reading it right. It right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that we do have to, we have to stop training up the next generation and we have to stop catering to those who feel like their opinions are just always right because they are. Yeah. 
The world is full of adversity. It's full of challenge. And those are good things because they build your character. And, you know, not everyone gets everything that they want. But uh, it is worth striving for the things that you want as long as they're appropriate and good. Yeah, I'd say we're we're made to we're made to thrive in a perfect world but we are also made to cope with a fallen world Hmm. i i mean i i could be wrong about that i might be phrasing it wrong it may sound slightly more profound than it actually is but to me that is something we should be pulling out of this entire situation is that Yes, in a perfect world, stuff might be different, but we are in a fallen world. We are here. We have been made so we can cope with this fallen world. So, yep. so to do it. Pretend exactly. So do it, because if we pretend like we're in a perfect world, oh, I said subdue not, it, like subdue the earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but so do it exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, yeah, you're setting yourself up for a gigantic failure to act like a fallen world is perfect. I think that's a good place to uh, close out the episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we enjoy that you guys have tuned in for this one, and we cannot wait to hear from you. Hit us up on our socials, and oh, as of today, although by the time you're listening to this, it's been a few days and I will have basically announced on social media. So to the people in the future, if you have not heard, we now have our podcast on Apple Podcasts. We have it on Google Podcasts. We have it on Google Play Podcasts because Google can't get their act together and have one unified service that actually makes sense and has everybody working for it. And then we also have it on Breaker, we have it on Overcast, or we will have it on Overcast by the time you're listening to this. We have it on Stitcher, we have it on Podcast Addict, we have it on Spotify. You can stream it on Anchor if you don't want to do anything else, but all these other options are definitely better. We have it on several other platforms as well that I will also go into in a post, but you can all access them all by again on anchor.fm backslash reawaken podcast no nothing in there and then yeah. just click that enter button and you go to our anchor and there will be all the options stitcher and podcast addict are not on there so if you want to listen on those platforms you can just do a nice easy search it, we're one of the top results on those already so if you just do reawaken podcast then we should just be right there so yeah Yep, go and listen, try to share it, get the word out to your friends. If you have any ideas for any podcast subjects you'd like to hear, hit us up on Anchor. You can record a voice message and send it to us, and we'd love to hear from you. That way you can record a question, and we we can even splice into our podcast and answer it. Yeah, there's all sorts of different options. So, yep. We welcome you into this discussion and look forward to seeing your comments and what you have to say as well. Exactly. And we thank you for tuning in once again, and we hope you will join us next time. Bye.